Welcome to the Trinity Radio Podcast. This podcast has a video component found at youtube.com slash Braxton Hunter. This means you might miss some visual aspects of the show, but it shouldn't have a serious negative effect. We'd love it if you'd run over to the YouTube channel real quick and subscribe. And if you enjoy this content, do us a favor. Take a moment to give us a five-star review on iTunes and mention a couple of things you like about the podcast. If you really appreciate the show, you can help make it better and get extra content for as little as a dollar a month at patreon.com slash trinity radio. Enjoy the show. Welcome to Trinity Radio. I'm so glad you're here. I'm Braxton Hunter, and this is the channel that loves atheists. But today we're going to be doing something a little bit different from what we typically do. Today, I want to talk a little bit about a figure named Jordan Peterson, who many of you are probably familiar with, and what he thinks about God's existence. Jordan Peterson's just making his way back to the public eye after a long period of being away because of severe health issues in his family, not just himself, but also his wife, who was seriously struggling. And as he's coming back into the public eye, it might be important to consider him again and what his thoughts are. I recently read his book, 12 Rules for Life, and more or less can recommend it to you. I've watched most of his series on the psychological value of the Bible and have ingested many of his interviews. Most Christians don't know quite what to make out of Jordan Peterson because he seems friendly to Christianity, friendly to the church, much like uh, Benjamin Franklin was in his day. But he hesitates on important moments and important issues. Principally, he has often said he doesn't like the question of whether he believes in God. This has frustrated many listeners. And in this video, we're going to take a look at some of his comments about belief in God and analyze the problematic perspectives that I think he holds that get echoed in even the church among Christians. And maybe that Christians were saying before Jordan Peterson ever came along. We'll also see one of the benefits that I think Jordan Peterson offers in this discussion on God's existence. So with that, let's go ahead and jump into this conversation. He's having a someone's interviewing him here on this question of do you believe in God? You live as if there is a God. Is that correct? Well, people ask me if I believe in God. You know, I just, I, I'm going to release a podcast about that because I, I answered that question for about two hours in Australia because people kept asking me that question, which I really don't like. I don't like that question. And so I, th I sat and thought about it for a good while, and I tried to figure out why. And, and then I thought, well, you, th you believe. You I thought, who would have the audacity to claim that they believed in God? Okay, um, so first of all, I want to say that I love the seriousness with which he takes this question, which is something that is so missing in worldview discussions with many people who are not obviously a Christian, don't obviously believe in God, at least we can say that about him, um, and yet he takes this question deeply seriously. It is incredibly um, 
informative about him and about clear thinkers that this is not a small issue. Even if you don't think that God exists, it's not a small issue. If for no other reason, the impact that it has had in the history of the world and on literature and on philosophy and even on science. Yes, this is such an important issue. And given the social situation of the global community today, that it is still the case, and it has always been the case, that the vast majority of people on this planet believe in some god or gods. How can it not be important? How can it not be a serious issue, even if you're not a believer? Uh, I think that's important. Now, sometimes atheists have said, so he says, who would have the audacity to claim that they believe in God? Now, if you're in the worldview discussions on YouTube, what may have jumped right into your mind is that sometimes atheists have said this same thing, but what they think by that, what they mean by that is how can someone be so arrogant as to conclude that they've figured it out and God exists? I can think of people, uh, atheists off the top of my head, how could you be so arrogant as to think you've figured it out, the secrets of the universe? But that's not the way Jordan Peterson means this. When he says, who would have the audacity to claim that they believe in God? That's not what he, that's not what he means. Um, we know that uh, if, you've, if you listen to much Jordan Peterson, he has little patience for atheism, or at the very least, little patience for modern atheism. This is from an interview, uh, a discussion, a Q&A time. One of the students at a university asked him a question about Sam Harris. And the student said, when you and, say, Sam Harris argue about religion, you're arguing about fundamentally different things. Um, it sounds like his conception of what is religious is very different from yours. And Peterson says, yeah, well, he tends to think of religious thoughts the same way that a smart 13-year-old atheist thinks about a fundamentalist Christian. It's like, yeah, okay. That's just, you just not getting to the heart of the matter, you know? And I just finished reading all of Sam's books in the last couple of weeks. And as far as I'm concerned, he doesn't ever get to the bottom of the issue. He doesn't address the fundamental thinkers. There are some profound thinkers, Dostoevsky, Tolstoy, Nietzsche, Jung, like they're completely absent from. And the same with Dawkins. It's completely absent. All that conceptualization is completely absent from their corpus of works, end quote. He's absolutely right. We've been saying this on this show for years. It's like the, it's many of the modern atheist voices that are out there don't engage like the atheists of the past. Uh, some of those people were not atheists, but don't engage like the serious thinkers and critics of Christianity in the past. It's like a 13-year-old boy raging against the most fundamentalist understanding of Christianity. Jordan Peterson isn't talking about the audacity of thinking you have good reasons to conclude that there is a God in terms of like mental acceptance, he clarifies what he means. So let's go ahead and hear him clarify what he means exactly when he, he says uh, the audacity of someone. If they examined the way they lived, who would dare say that? To, to believe, you think, to believe in a Christian sense, to actually, this is why Nietzsche said there was only ever one Christian, and that was Christ. To have the audacity to claim that means that you live it out fully. Okay, I didn't actually want to get to that line just yet. But, um, but, but yeah, so 
He explains what he means with precision. He means if they examine the way they live, how do they have the audacity to say they believe in God when they look at the way that they live? Now, there is some truth in this. Uh, The notion here is that if you believe to find out what someone really believes, look at the way they live, because you tend to live out whatever it is that you actually believe, despite what you say. Now, I think that he puts this far too flatly, but let's first look at the value of that truth. Um, when you're doing worldview analysis to try and figure out uh, which world, things that should be ditched from your worldview, things that are problematic in someone else's worldview, livability is one of those principles of worldview analysis. And what you're saying there is, if you can't or don't, in some sense, live out what you say you believe, then there is good reason to question whether you really believe those things. And conversely, if you seem to be living as though you believe some other thing, then there's good reason to believe that you actually believe that other thing. And so when we think about modern atheism, for example, um, most naturalistic atheists recognize that if atheism is true, they probably have to be committed determinists and that there's no free will. Do they live as though determinism is true? they can't. They can't. It's not even a question of, of whether they want to. They can't. And if you say, well, I, I, I function the way I do because I have no choice. How does one even live as though you don't have free will? Well, this is precisely the point. It's not livable. You can't live as though your life is determined, which doesn't mean it's false, but it counts strongly against it. And the fact that you do treat your life and function in your life as though you have free will does strongly indicate that you really do believe in free will, despite what you may say. And you may not even quite be aware of that. Uh, Or morality. Many atheists today will say that um, there is no ultimate morality. They hate that word ultimate, many of them. They can't stand that word ultimate. It bothers them because um, it it hints at, I I think one of the things is, so so what they'll say is, no, we, we do the best that we can. We pick a thing like human flourishing, and then we try the best we can to build morals around that. And everyone will more or less agree with that. And that's how it works. But there's no ultimate morality. Okay, but you don't live as though there's no ultimate morality. We can think up thought experiments where you would sound like a monster if you didn't adhere to a particular moral thing that you do, in fact, adhere to. But you act as though morality is objective and ultimate. You act as though there's free will. And that kind of does hint at something that you really do actually believe. So um, what you live, what you live out, how you act, it's true. That does tend to indicate to some degree what you believe. Now, I'll tell you what I used to say because of this principle, what I used to say when I was preaching, and I might be preaching on heaven, and I would say, look, we're going to be future citizens of heaven, right? If this is true, right? Yeah. Okay. Well, and then I'd say this, and it it kind of sounds like a Dr. Seuss sort of a thing, but I'd say, look, I believe that you believe that you believe in heaven, but I'm not sure you really believe. I believe that you believe that you believe in heaven, but I'm not sure you really believe. Because if you really believed in God and Christianity and heaven and hell and all those kind of things, then wouldn't you even now be living like a future citizen of heaven? Would you ever really sin? Because if you really believe that this world is fleeting and the world to come is what it's all about in that sense, in the eternal sense, obviously what happens here matters because of the eternal consequences of it. 
but but wouldn't you be living all the time like a future citizen of heaven? So I believe you believe that you believe, but do you really believe? I used to say that. Now, how does this apply to belief in God? Is Jordan right about that? Was I right when I said those things about heaven? That a true believer would approximate a close to perfect follower of Christ or something like that, if they really just would believe that it's true, if they really believe that it's true. Well, that brings us to the second point, and this is where it really gets interesting. So don't tune me out just yet. I, I want you to notice, uh, I, I may skip back just a little bit because I want you to hear the quote that he says here. I don't want you to miss this, uh, what he says it means to believe in something. In Christian sense, to actually believe in God, if they examined the way they lived, who would dare say that? To, to believe, you think, to believe in a Christian sense, to actually, this is why Nietzsche said there was only ever one Christian and that was Christ. To have the audacity to claim that means that you live it out fully. And that's an, that's an unbearable task in some sense. To be able to accept the structure of existence, the suffering that goes along with it, and the disappointment and the betrayal, and, and to nonetheless act properly, right? To aim at the good with all your heart, right? To, to dispense with the malevolence and your desire for destruction and revenge and all of that, and to face things courageously and to tell the truth, to speak the truth and to act it out. That's what it means to believe. That's what it means. It doesn't, it doesn't mean to state it. It means to act it out. Okay, so there it is. This is what he thinks it means to believe something. Is It doesn't just mean that you state it. Um, it means that you act it out. We could also include there, if it definitely means to act it out, fully, as he says, which is why it's such a big thing to him to say that you believe in God, because if you really believe in God, you will fully act it out, right? That's what he's saying. So, so he says it's not just stating it, it's acting it out. Well, it's not just those two things either. It's not just stating it, and it's not just accepting that it's true in, mental, in terms of mental assent. It's that if you accept that it's true in mental assent, according to Jordan Peterson, you will act it out fully. Now, I'm not saying there's no truth in, in, in the concepts behind that, but is that exactly true? Well, I've stopped using the heaven thing that I said I used before because it dawned on me that it's a bad parallel. Now, I think this is important because I think some Christians do this. I think they recognize this profound thought and get halfway to the truth, but they don't go all the way. So, Let's think about this idea. Is it, is it true that if you believe something, that's what you're going to act on? Yes, it is. But it gets very complicated how that plays out. So think about, for example, um, dieting. Okay. Now, th this, I think, proves more or less that Peterson's point fails. When you think about dieting or exercise, trying to lose weight, do I believe? So I'd like to lose weight. Do I believe that it's, do I conceptually like believe it's true as a fact about reality that if I would diet and exercise that I would lose weight? Do I believe that's true? Do I believe that I would be healthier? 
that, that I would be more attractive to my wife? Do I, do I believe all these things are, that I'd be better in some sense? Do I believe that those things are true? Do I, to put it very basic, do I believe that diet and exercise causes people to get in shape? Yes, it burns calories, it builds muscle. Uh, eating right, uh, limiting calories. I, I understand how all that works. I'm not, it's not that I don't believe that. Obviously, I believe that that's true, okay? In fact, I've experienced it before. I've done it myself. Um, so I, I believe that all that's true. So why is it, if I really believe that, according to Peterson, I would be functioning that way? Well, here's the catch, is I do believe that, but there's another belief that gets in the way. It's not that I don't believe that diet and exercise will do those things. Of course, I believe that. But it's that when I'm presented with a cupcake, <laughs> uh, in that moment, I still believe that that will do those things. But I also believe that eating this cupcake right now is going to make me happier right now. It's going to be the thing that will make me happiest right now. So I eat the cupcake. You see, if you take it to um, sin, for example, it's not that I don't believe that God's that, that Christianity is true, that God exists and all that. Yes, I believe that's true. And so I believe that um, ultimately um, all of that is the way it is. But in the moment of a particular sin, I believe that what would make me happiest right now in this moment is doing this sin, whatever this sin is. Um, now, there, does that mean that I doubted? I doubted, but I didn't doubt the truth of Christianity. I doubted that it was best right now. Okay. So there is, so believing in something does not, so you can see now believing in diet and exercise is obviously something that you can believe in as mental assent, but it doesn't mean that that means you're always going to do the right thing for your physical body. This is just obviously true. And so I think this is really important there seems to be a difference here in two types of belief. Now, Peterson actually says he's talking about in the Christian sense. So this is where he's not the expert. I'm more of an expert on this than he is. Is he right that that's the Christian sense of belief? Well, I don't think so. I think the Bible talks about, particularly the New Testament, talks about two types of belief. And the way I say it is there's belief in versus belief on. Belief in has to do with mental assent, accepting that a proposition is true. Okay, that's belief in. And then there's belief on. Belief on is when you're submitting yourself to that, committing to that, and, 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 and trying your best to commit to it. So that's belief in. Believing in Jesus would mean you believe that Jesus um, is God incarnate and that the death, burial, and resurrection happen, all those things. You believe that those things are true. But believing on means you're committing to it, okay? Now, does the Bible speak that way? Does the Bible warrant? Because he says he's giving us the Christian understanding of belief. Is the, is the Bible way of belief more like Peterson's view that if you believe it in terms of mental assent, that that means you will do it in the fullest sense of the term? Or does the Bible give you two senses of belief? I think it does. Um, in James chapter 2, verse 19, famously, James says, you believe that God is one? You do well. The demons also believe and shudder. So what is, what is James saying? He's saying, okay, belie there's belief. You, you, you recognize the proposition is true that God is one. So what? The demons know that, and they're terrified, right? They shudder. 
So clearly, believing Christianity is true and that God exists, obviously, in terms of accepting a proposition is something that even the demons do. But then in terms of believing on, in Romans chapter 10, verses 11, it says, For the scripture says, Whosoever believes on him shall not be ashamed. And in Acts chapter 16, verse 31, it says, And they said, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and you shall be saved, and your house. So the Bible gives us this dichotomy. There's believing in, in terms of accepting that something is true, and then there's believing on, in terms of committing to it, in some sense. So that is... Not, so what Peterson is giving us is not exactly the Christian perspective. So believing is not the same th- believing in is not the same thing as believing on. Now, actually believing in is a whole is actually not that hard. I mean, I don't mean that to sound rude to the atheists in the crowd, but it doesn't it, for the okay, let me put it this way. For the vast majority of people who have ever lived on planet Earth, all except for a small fraction of the history of mankind, most of whom in that fraction are living today, it has been obvious that there is a God. It has not even been a question. It it has been not up for debate. It's just been accepted that that's the way it is. In fact, that's why Paul says in Romans chapter 1 and verse 20, the invisible things of God's eternal power and divine nature are clearly seen through that what has been made so that they are without excuse. And he wasn't even talking about atheists there. He was talking about idolaters. It's so obvious that there is one maker God who made everything that you've got no excuse if you're not believing in that one maker God, but are instead worshiping idols. Or to put it in today's context, you're an atheist. You don't have an excuse for that because it's obvious. Now, in what sense is it obvious? Well, in the immediate sense of your first person experience in the world, you look, you look at your hands and you say, oh my God, this is the look at the trees thing, right? That Christians get made fun of for. We have a t-shirt that we sell, look at the trees, because I actually think that's a great place to start looking at the design of the universe. But the, this, this is the first person experience. You look at your hands and you say, gosh, these, these hands are clearly made to grip things. I mean, it just seems obvious that someone intended that, that there was a design in that. My mouth is clearly made to eat and to talk and to breathe. And I'm a satisfied customer when it comes to eating and talking. Those are two of my favorite things. And thirdly, I like breathing too. I mean, you look at, you look at your hands, your legs, every part of your body, there's a purpose, there's a design to it. At least it seems intuitive. Even Sean Carroll, and I have him in a video, Sean Carroll, the famous physicist, he even says it, it, it seems undeniable that there is design of this sort. And not just in ourselves, but in the universe, everything around us, it seems just a little too perfect. And for you atheists out there, I want you to really consider that. Just think, isn't, I mean, I know what you're saying and I know what you say about the design arguments and I know that, but honestly, isn't it just a little too perfect? I mean, it's, I mean, not that there's not problems in the world. That's not what I mean with perfect. I mean, it's just a little too right, right? I mean, come on. So on the first, on the, on the, we could call that the surface level, right? Of your first person experience, it's obvious that there's a God. Well, then you go down to the second level, go down to the academy, the STEM fields. You look at, you look at science, you look at realms of human inquiry. And then you study all those and then you ask yourself, is it still obvious? Well, um, it gets a little complicated in that we understand now the mechanics of those things. And in understanding the mechanics of those things, we think, well, maybe now that we understand the mechanics of those things, it's not a mystery anymore. And I'm not the first one to say something like that would be a little bit like examining an automobile and understanding how it works and then concluding that that Henry Ford never existed. Right. That's but 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 I won't say that. Um, I guess I did. But uh, 
you, you get into all of that, but then actually, is it still obvious? Yeah, it kind of is still, in fact, it might be more obvious now than it was before. It might be hard to see that because some of the people in that field are not believers. And there may be reasons for that political, you know, getting the right position, something I, I don't know, but honestly, it gets more obvious because now we understand that actually, um, we have this thing called consciousness. I mean, my gosh, I'm able to look around and think and uh, communicate with other people and form thoughts in this. What if I'm listening and believing what they're saying, this physical object that, that uses electricity and, and all this kind of thing, and that's happening and I can communicate with other people and they still have no idea how that works. Really? They really don't, honestly. And then I, I think about the genetic code and abiogenesis. And even if you think you can figure out abiogenesis, the fact that we have a language system that has information and an alphabet and it communicates and you have the DNA that's replicated by the RNA that creates the protein molecules that do the different jobs. And it's just, it's just incredibly complicated. And you look at all of that, not just that it's complicated, but that it seems to mimic the, what we know happens only from intelligence. And we look at all of this and that we're in the right place at the right time and, and uh, all these kind of things. And it's like, it's, if it was obvious before on the surface level, how much more obvious could it be? Not to mention the beginning of the universe and all that. Then you move on to the next thing. You think, well, Christianity, is Christianity true? That, that wasn't obviously true necessarily. Is it true after ob observation? Well, you know, you got the, you've got a God who would have wanted to interact with his people. And, and where would he have done that? Well, you've got this individual who is the centerpiece of human history, the most famous man who's ever lived, Jesus of Nazareth. And it, he, and in fact, he, it, no histor the historians agree that he, that he believed that he was God's special agent to speak on God's behalf and to bring about the kingdom. And, and then after he was dead, buried, and a bunch of people claimed that he rose again. And some of those people were willing to die for that claim and all of that. And, and then Christianity took over the world. And I, it really does look like if there's a God who wanted to communicate with us, there's a good, there's good evidence that this is how we did it. So yeah, that, that seems really strong. And you look at all of that and then you step back and you, but especially with God's existence, you just look back and, and you say, is it, is it obvious? And then, um, and then you conclude, you conclude at that point, uh, something like now I'm believing in the truth of this. I may not believe, be believing on yet, I'm at least believing in the truth, the propositional truth. And even if you don't like the Jesus stuff, at least that God exists. I'm believing, I'm believing in that, like almost everyone else who's ever lived percentage-wise, right? I'm accepting the proposition that that's true. So that's the easy part. That's the easy part. And, and Jordan Peterson could actually do that if it's true that he does in his head believe that God exists in terms of a proposition. He shouldn't be afraid to just say that. If not, he should say that he doesn't. But he certainly shouldn't have any problem just saying that if it's true, that, that he does actually believe that because that doesn't commit him to believing on. That's believing in, not believing on. And believing in is easy. That's, that's, that's baseline, man. That's where most people start off. Even the demon, I mean, the demons believe that, right? The demons believe uh, that God is one. The demons know Christianity is true. That's not a really high bar, right? The demons, this is just demon level stuff. So that's not committing you to ultimate courage and truthfulness and all these things that Peterson thinks will be done fully if you accept the believing in part, the propositional truth. 
Now, believing believing in God is easy. It's then the believing hard part that comes, the believing on, which is the hard part. Now, let's listen to what he thinks is going to happen if you get to the point where you actually do believe. Um, he thinks this is what happens when you believe in. I would say this is what can happen if you believe on. Let's keep listening. And unless you act it out, you should be very careful about claiming it. And so I've never been comfortable saying anything other than I try to act as if God exists because God only knows what you'd be if you truly believed. I mean, if you think about it in some sense, that's the central idea in Christianity is that if you were capable of believing, it would be a transfiguring event, a truly transfiguring event. And I know people experience that to one degree or another, but we have no idea what the limit. Okay, that is that is the thing I want you to hear. But we're going to go on and hear the rest of what he has to say. But I want you, I wanted you to hear him say that it is a that if you really believed it that God exists, that would be a truly transfiguring event. So we're going to get more. But I just really wanted to make a footnote there. I wanted you to hear that. Of that is, and we have no idea what the possibility is within each person if they lived a life that was maximally courageous and maximally truthful. You know, because maybe you're running at 60% or 70% or 20% and at cross purposes to yourself. God only knows what you'd be if, if you believed. And so, well, I act, I try to act like I believe, but I'd never claim that I manage it because it's too, it's, it's a lot to manage properly. And you have to be careful about claiming to manage things that you can't manage. And so that's part of the answer to that question. It's a great answer as it happens. Okay, so that's the end of the clip. Um, but but I, I, really want you to, I really want you to notice this here. So what God only knows, he says, what you'd, what you'd be if you truly believed. If you were capable of believing, it would be a transfiguring event. Now, what he means by a transfiguring event is that one would be maximally courageous, he says, and maximally truthful if they really believed. And we're talking about believing the proposition that God exists, because that's, of course, the nature of the question. I know I'm repeating myself a lot, but it's important to get these things in their categories. Now, you understand that, and you understand that that is believing in propositional truth. We're talking about believing on is committing to Christianity, committing to God. He speaks about them as though they're the same thing. He speaks about them as though they're one, and he thinks that's the Christian position. But as we've shown from reason with the diet analogy, diet and exercise, and with the Bible, we've shown that, no, believing in is different from believing on. Now, with all that in mind, again, recognize that Jordan's mistake is in thinking that that's what will follow to some degree, at least, if you believe in. But that's not the case. It is what can happen, we would say, when you believe on. One of the truths that surfaces when you rightly divide believing in and believing on is that if merely believing in guarantees some approximation of maximal courage and truthfulness, then if you're not doing that, you clearly aren't believing in. That's what he's saying. If you're, if you're not maximally truthful and courageous, then you're not believing in. 
But if you rightly divide believing in from believing on, you realize that believing in doesn't necessarily mean you will believe on. And further, believing on isn't a one-time thing. Now, I'm not talking about salvation here. I'm talking about the reality that a person can believe on God and make incredible strides in their life and then get distracted by something temporal in the world. So again, think about your diet. You can, you can be making great strides. You believe that it's true, obviously, that diet and exercise work, but you get distracted by the cupcake. And in that moment, it's not that your beliefs aren't guiding you anymore. It's just now that you believe you'd be happier if you, if you ate that cupcake, right? So, so there's believing in and believing on. And again, the demons believe in, but it doesn't guarantee they're going to believe on. Does this sort of thing, is this sort of thing mirrored in scripture anywhere else? Well, I think we have it, uh, a, narr a narrative passage that actually reveals this, and it's when Peter walks on the waves. In Matthew 14, 28, it says, Peter said to him, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. And he said, come. And Peter got out of the boat and walked on the water and came toward Jesus. Okay, at this point, Peter is believing in and he's believing on. He's believing on Jesus. He's committed. Of course, he believes Jesus exists. That doesn't change throughout the story. But he's believing on Jesus at this point. He's stepping out on the waves. He's believing on Jesus. He's committed to Jesus. But seeing the wind, he became frightened and beginning to sink. He cried out, Lord, save me. Immediately, Jesus stretched out his hand and took hold of him and said to him, you of little faith, why did you doubt? Now, what did he doubt? Did he doubt that Jesus exists? No. Did he doubt even that Jesus could do miracles? No, he knew that. He, what happened at this point was he doubted, he was, he was, he doubted in the sense that he wasn't believing on Jesus anymore. He doubted that following Jesus' ideas is the best thing at this moment. The best thing at this moment is for me to worry about these waves that are terrifying me and figure out what I can do for myself not to die. Fortunately, he did cry out, and Jesus saves him and asks him about his faith. But Jesus, uh, but Peter was believing on, believing in and on, believing in and on, then only believing in and not believing on, and then fortunately by the end, believing in and believing on. You see how that works. So when you understand this, you get that anyone can believe in. That's easy. Believing on isn't so easy. And believing on, here's the next thing, believing on, that doesn't even guarantee maximum courage and truthfulness. So Jordan Peterson's a long way from, from the right answer here, even though I love him, because he thinks just believing in is going to get you all the way to maximal uh, all these wonderful things, Christ-likeness, basically. And so that's why he's afraid to say he believes in, because that would mean he's committed to this then, and he would have an inconsistency in his life. But that's not true with just believing in, and it's not even necessarily true with believing on. Because you understand now that you can believe on, just like uh, you can believe on uh, Jesus, and then after a while, not be believing on Jesus, just like I can be committed to the diet and exercise and then get distracted and for a moment not be committed to the diet and exercise. Uh, that's to my mind what it means to be filled with the spirit is to be believing on all the time. Here's where Peterson is right. There is no limit to what a man or woman could achieve for the kingdom if they would believe on all the time. That's to be filled with the Spirit, to be listening to the Spirit and following the Spirit, that is to follow God all the time. 
There's no end. You would get to maximal courage, maximal truthfulness. You would rise above all of these evils that so easily beset us if you could believe on all the time. And so that's what we strive to do. But the reason we're okay saying we believe in God and then recognize even that we can go further and believe on God and then just not be perfect all the time is because we recognize the reality that things can distract us. So does Jordan Peterson believe in God as a proposition? I don't know. But I do know that what he believes about Christian belief has some major problems that can be just demonstrated by thinking about everyday life, like with diet and exercise, and wrong in the Christian sense if we look at the biblical data. I hope this has in some way been helpful, and I'll see you next time on Trinity Radio. Thank <laughs> you.